It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along, a lovely sunny morning this morning, but as you just heard in the forecast, showers are on the way. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 And already a lot of texts and WhatsApps coming in to 0862-103-103. And before I take a look at some of the texts that are coming in, John Paul tells me that he's been getting some calls this morning from people saying that they have received a call from somebody purporting to be from the Department of Social Welfare and they're asking for PPS uh, details and the calls are coming from what looks like 021 or 022 numbers so people in Cork receiving these numbers think oh that must be a local Department of Social Protection office but it's not because we got onto the Department of Social Protection and they're alerting people to what they say are scam phone calls purporting to be an official with the Department of Social uh, social protection and there's a range of different numbers being used but what is really worrying from the Department of Social Protection's point of view, some of these con artists are making calls and when you pick up your phone, the number that's coming up on it is the Department of Social Protection's helpline number, the 1890 number, 1890-80024. Now, the department tell us that they're currently not engaged in contacting customers or members of the public by using that 1890 number and they're asking members of the general public to please do not engage with these calls do not share any personal information uh, with anyone who just randomly calls you. The Department of Social Protection staff will never ask you for your PPS number because if you think about it, if it's the Department of Social Protection ringing you, then those guys already have your PPS number so they're never going to ask you for it. They're never going to ask you for your bank uh, details. And the Department also say, and have asked us to put out to listeners, if you receive such a call uh, from, from any of those numbers, particularly one that's coming from from their number, the 1890 number, they're please asking you to report it to the Gardaí immediately. Okay, so be aware of that. There are con artists at work yet again. Now, the big, I suppose, news story of the day is to do with AstraZeneca and the decision that we heard yesterday afternoon that the AstraZeneca vaccine now is to only be given to people... Um, over the age of 60 and this is on safety grounds and because of that announcement yesterday up to 15,000 people who were due to receive a vaccine today have had their appointments cancelled and that's the one when I heard that yesterday I was thinking of people getting those phone calls yesterday because it was exactly two weeks ago today that my own daughter Marcia got her vaccine and I remember the excitement from the initial phone call the week 
the week exactly a week before to this morning getting her ready going off knowing she was on the road to a vaccination and I just know it would have been gut wrenching for us to have got a call to say that the vaccination clinic has been cancelled but obviously this is on safety ground so my heart does go out to the 15,000 people today who thought they were getting their vaccine and they're not. Professor Karina Butler who is chair of the National Immunisation Advisory Committee said last night the decision now to restrict the vaccine to the over 60s it was due to the linking of this very rare risk condition. It's unusual blood clots on people and some people who've received the jab. Now Karina Butler did say it is an extremely rare condition but consideration she said must be given to the fact that it has a very high risk of death or severe outcome. Most people who receive who've received their first dose will get a second jab of AstraZeneca within the three months time frame in May except for those who are not in the very high or high risk categories due to underlying conditions. They are now going to be asked to wait 16 weeks as more information will come through which might see them get a second dose of another vaccine that is still to be decided. Karina Butler said the recommendation followed the assessment by the European Medicines Agency which found this probable link between the vaccine and a very low risk of unusual blood clots. The vaccine has been mostly given so far to healthcare workers and to people who are at very high risk of COVID due to an underlying uh, condition. Professor Butler said that the blood clots are rare events. Now the HSE is expecting 813,000 doses of AstraZeneca across this month April, next month May and into June. Now that is out of 3.9 million doses of all of the vaccines that they are to receive. The decision though to halt it except to the over 60s is expected now to delay the administration to many people with underlying illnesses but if you want to see a positive it will speed up the vaccination for the people between the ages of 60 and 69. However younger age groups are likely to now have to wait longer for a first dose with a question mark now over whether the target of the 80% of the population getting at least one vaccine by late June. There's now a huge question mark over whether that's going to be met or not. And asked what impact it will have on the road out of lockdown yesterday, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer Roland Glim said he hoped it would not be significant and he said that the vaccination is just one element of controlling the spread. And, you, know, and he, you know, he went on about compliance with uh, public health measures, uh, crucial obviously in the weeks ahead, but I think so many people are pinning hopes on vac- on getting a vaccine, being fully vaccinated and that being our main road out of uh, this pandemic. Now AstraZeneca made a statement yesterday. They recognised the decision taken by NIAC uh, and they say implementation and rollout of the vaccine, obviously it's a matter for each individual country to decide but they do say that reviews from the regulatory authorities in the EU and in the UK have reaffirmed that the vaccine does offer a high level of protection against all all severities of COVID-19 and that these benefits continue to far away any of the risks. They say neither agency identified any risk factors such as age or gender are a definite case, a definite cause for these extremely rare blood clotting events. And then they also quote the uh, World Health Organization who noticed that uh, whilst concerning the events under assessment are extremely rare, very low numbers have been uh, reported. Bearing in mind that almost 20 
No, it's even higher, 200. Almost 200 million individuals have received AstraZeneca so far. And it's estimated that these rare events occur between four and ten people in every one in every one million and between four and ten people who will get a blood clotting event sadly one per million will uh, die and here in this country I know somebody yesterday uh, before this decision was even made obviously was worried about AstraZeneca saying has there been any cases of rare blood clotting occurred in this country so far uh, one there's been one case. It was a woman who was around 40 years of age. She was a healthcare worker and she developed one of these blood clots, but she was uh, successfully uh, treated. So it is extremely rare, but still the concerns are there. And it's we're not just the only country that have decided now to refrain from giving AstraZeneca to under 60. I took a quick look mainly around... Um, Europe and the States as to what's happening. For example, in France, last week, the French health officials there advised people under 55, their slightly younger age group, they say under 55, who received a first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine to get a different vaccine for the second shot. However, the French government is still recommending that older people continue to get AstraZeneca. The United States vaccine advisors in the US uh, have do not foresee AstraZeneca being used at all in the country, even though they have stockpiled. They do have millions of AstraZeneca, but they still haven't given one shot of AstraZeneca yet. And I saw Anthony Fauci at the weekend come out and say they actually don't even need to use AstraZeneca because they have enough vaccines purchased from Moderna, from Pfizer and from Johnson & Johnson. So they don't even, even if they want to use it, they don't really need to use it, but they still haven't used any AstraZeneca yet. Uh, Germany suspended the use of AstraZeneca vaccine and people below the age of 60. They did it at the end of March so similar to what we announced yesterday. Canada have restricted use of AstraZeneca to only those aged over 55. In Italy health officials similarly recommended that AstraZeneca vaccine should only be used on people over the age of 60. And in Italy, in Sicily, the island of uh, Sicily they were using AstraZeneca and 80% of people on the island refused to take it. So we already have vaccine hesitancy in other countries and that's the danger that the same thing is going to happen here. And of course in the the UK which have probably used the biggest amount or given out the biggest amount of um, AstraZeneca the NHS recommended that anybody under the age of 30 without an underlying health condition should be offered an alternative vaccine if it is uh, available and it's believed this change in health advice may have delayed the rollout of up to four weeks in the United Kingdom because they're one of the countries that are doing really, really well when it comes to vaccinating people. So we're not the only country that has decided to bring in restrictions around AstraZeneca. Now, some of your thoughts already coming into the programme uh, this morning. Somebody says, how can the HSE decide that AstraZeneca is safe for people in their 60s and impose it on them, knowing that it gives lesser protection to the African variant? This, I feel, is discrimination against this age group, imposing what I feel lesser protection given that they, we have no choice when it comes to what vaccination you get. Why can't politics be put aside? This, at the end of the day, is about lives, I would suggest. 
the government need to start getting their hands on Sputnik, the Russian vaccine. Let the government cut the red tape, the bull, and stop letting the people down, the people, especially the youth, who are sacrificing so much socially and risking their health going to work while trying to protect loved ones at home. Where is the light at the end of the tunnel for the young people? Says one a listener who I, I take it is not happy uh, with the whole way the government are handling the rollout of the vaccines. Now, some of your WhatsApps into us. Uh, this is from Mara in West Cork. Good morning. Vaccine hesitancy? You bet, says Mara. I am an over 60, healthy, active female. But quite honestly, AstraZeneca has had such bad press of late. Why would I want one of these jabs as a consumer? I want choice, just my opinion. And we know, and Mara knows, and everybody knows, when you go to get your vaccine, you don't have any choice. And in fairness, that's not just in this country. That seems to be the same worldwide. For example, when the portal, which is due to go live for the different age groups to say that you want to get the vaccine, you will just register to say, yes, this is where I live. This is who I am. This is my PPS number. This is my date of birth, etc. And then you will be given an appointment for a vaccine and you will not be allowed to choose what vaccines you get, except now we know if you're over 60, you're going to get the AstraZeneca. If you're under 60, you're not. But some people are not happy about that and would like the idea of choosing which vaccine to receive. Michael in Castletown bears says, hi Patricia. There was a problem with AstraZeneca from day one with missed deliveries and now the current tobacco. I would prefer to see it taken off the market altogether. We are only to get 400,000 shots. I don't know if that's for this month. It's 800,000 over the next two months. Anyway, if we get them furthermore, it'll only be given to those that we now know between the ages of 60 and 69. It's been a mess from day one. We have plenty far safer vaccines available to us, so I wouldn't worry too much. It's only a temporary blip and we might not even get them going on, and we mightn't even receive them, the AstraZeneca, on their past record of delivery, says Michael, who's taking a kind of a more positive spin on it and saying to people, don't worry, there's enough Pfizer on order. There's enough Moderna on order. And we also know the Johnson & Johnson, that's coming in from this month and there's a big order of those expected as well. So maybe Michael is right. We mightn't even need to use any of the AstraZeneca that is on order at all. Hi Patricia, you're talking about the vaccines. Well, last week my daughter got the first vaccine. She's 45. She's got MS. So that's the reason that she received her vaccine. But for 48 hours she thought she was dying. She couldn't keep anything down. Very weak and very tired. Her doctor wouldn't call to see her and told her just go to bed which I felt in itself was a disgrace. Why can't they use the Johnson & Johnson vaccine instead? Or will that affect people as well? I've heard, I've heard more people saying they were affected following the vaccine. Why take a vaccine if it's going to make you unwell? Well I think what happened to your daughter is the initial effects, the initial side effects of the vaccine and there are a number of people after the AstraZeneca, my own daughter included, was very unwell, felt very unwell for 48 hours. But then it passed and was absolutely perfect. And I'm assuming the same thing has happened with your daughter. That's just some of the side effects to the vaccines. Then you'll hear from other people who got the very same vaccine and had absolutely zero side effects and they have no way they still the scientists still don't understand why some people get side effects and some people don't it's like a little bit with the flu jab you'll have people get the flu jab I get the I've been getting the flu jab for the last number of years and I get the shot into my arm and my arm is perfect you won't I won't even know that I've received the jab there won't even be a, a mark whereas my daughter will get it and this great big golf 
ball will come up on her arm, which goes down after a few days. But she always gets it and she might spike a little bit of a temperature. So it's just hard to know why some people get side effects and some people don't. But your daughter's side effects, side effects are not uncommon. A lot of people have received it, but then they're fine after it's usually about 48 hours max and then they disappear and they're perfect again. And she's on the road to being fully vaccinated. And that's the real positive out of that. Hi, Patricia. I received my first shot of AstraZeneca back in early March as I'm working in the healthcare sector. I should be due to get my second shot in late May. Now the news that was announced yesterday tells me I will now have to wait an extra four weeks. I will have to wait until June now to get the second dose, then wait another two weeks before I will be fully vaccinated. This, to me, is the most upsetting thing. I think the second dose of AstraZeneca should be given on time. If not AstraZeneca, then give a different vaccine uh, instead, uh, one that might even give better cover for some of the new variants. The level of risk of a clot is so low and the level of risk of anything happening after taking the vaccination compared to the risk of smoking with 6,000 deaths per year in Ireland plus thousands more that suffer disease related to smoking yet are we withdrawing the cigarettes from sale? No we're not. What is this going to do with the fanfare of the government's spin of 1 million vaccines per month by the end of April? Leo Varadkar said in a tweet they were going to surprise us. Well at this stage Nothing would surprise us. It's like rolling car. It's like a rolling car crash. Uh, kind regards from John. And that's interesting. There's somebody who's had the first vaccine and really wants to get the second vaccine. And we know we have been told that what's been advised now for people like John, who received anyone under the age of 60 who received the vaccine, healthcare uh, workers are being told that they are going to have to now wait 16 weeks in between the jabs. And the reason for that is it's to allow for more information to come through. And then they'll see that maybe at the end of that period, they'll give a second or a, sec- a different vaccine instead. There will definitely have to be a second jab but as to what that second jab will be. But John, very frustrated to hear that. Frustrated to hear that he has to wait. And then looking across in the United Kingdom, what's happening there? Heidi says, Patricia, I'm hearing that in the UK they're now vaccinating the over 45s. How good is that? Also hearing on the other side, of the world. India is overwhelmed by COVID. Lots of people dying. No room in the hospital for many that need to be in there. So many are simply dying at home. We still have to be so, so careful. We're not out of the woods yet. And I can see lots of calls and worried texts uh, coming in from listeners about AstraZeneca. Uh, And I imagine the doctors are going to be getting endless calls from patients and are going to want to have patients' fears allayed because people are genuinely worried. And then there's other people who've had their first shot of AstraZeneca wondering what's going to happen with their second one. Are they going to get their second one? Because people are desperate to be fully vaccinated. D from Goline, for example, says, Patricia, I'm 50 I had my first AstraZeneca jab. What is going to happen to my second one? Well, it depends, Dee, on the reason that you got the AstraZeneca. If you got it because you are a healthcare uh, worker, then they're saying to that group of uh, people, if you're under the age of 60, which you are, you will wait for your, your scheduled dose gets extended out to 14 weeks. And this is to allow for further assessment as well as for them to decide whether they may give a different second dose or not. 
But if you received your first vaccine because you're in one of the very high or high risk categories due to an underlying illness, then they're saying in that group, even if you're under the age of 60 and you've got your first AstraZeneca, then you'll get your second AstraZeneca on the 12 week uh, mark. Uh, So it depends on what category you fall into. Uh, But then there are others who are just simply now completely nervous about taking AstraZeneca, particularly people over the age of 60, because they've been told now over the age of between 60 and 69, they will be allowed to get AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca because the over 70s were never given AstraZeneca. They were given the Pfizer and Moderna jabs instead. Kate says, I'm 68 and I have not yet had a vaccine, but I can assure you under no circumstances will I be taking AstraZeneca. I'm on a lot of medication for heart problems, etc. And I now am simply simply petrified from everything I'm reading and hearing. It sounds like they do not want to give it to the younger people, but they lash it into the older generation as they don't seem to matter. Fuming. Uh, Kate signs off her text with. Well, I think the reason that they have gone with over uh, 60s, there is there is there is a much lesser link, lesser link to these very rare conditions in people in the older age group or people over the age of 60. From what I can gather, all of the confirmed cases were in much younger patients and in the main younger women. Now, it could have been in younger women because more females have received the AstraZeneca because they work in the health service. That's one of the reasons why they say there could be more younger women than uh, men. But it does seem to be the medical evidence is there is that it is safer in the over 70s and that there is very few, if any, cases over the age of 60 that were linked to these very rare and unusual blood clots. That's why they're going with the over 60s. Uh, But I can absolutely, Kate, I can understand your worries and your concerns and, you know, just put all of your concerns and your worries to your doctor and your doctor will be the one to give you the very best advice. 1850-333-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie I will come back to the huge volume of texts and calls that we're getting about people's concerns around the AstraZeneca and um, I will come back to it but I just want to move uh, to a different issue because car park charges at hospital car parks are always the source of irritation for most people at a time when they're either sick themselves or they're visiting a loved one in hospital. Fina Gale's health spokesperson uh, Deputy Colin Burke says it's time to put an end to these charges and he joins me. Good morning to you Colm. Good morning Patricia. And Colm, before we get to the car parking charges just on this whole um, AstraZeneca and what was announced yesterday and the fact now that the AstraZeneca vaccine is not to be given on safety grounds uh, to people under the age of 60 we are getting inundated with people really concerned on two levels. One, people over the age of 60 saying why are we going to be given it if it's not going to be given to the under 60s and then from people about the second jab and are we going to get the second jab? Can you understand all those concerns? I do and I think one of the reasons why we are saying over 60s, I think the research shows and I, I saw a research project where in fact um, it showed that 30 people had um, had got the clot um, but the, the frightening part about that were, uh, was that it was 29 of those uh, were women and I think the age profile has shown up in the research is under 60s. That's why um, they're now saying, and there is no evidence that 
that over 60s have been affected in the same way. And I think that's the reason why they've now taken this decision. The second jab? The second jab, I think, um, you know, there is a, a substantial rollout of vaccines over the next three months. And um, I would hope that there wouldn't be uh, any additional delay in the second jab. And remember, um, the Johnson Johnson vaccine is to start coming in, I think, from about the 17th of April. Um, and that's one dose only. Um, and we're, we are expected to have about um, around 600,000 doses of uh, Johnson Johnson by the end of June. Now, I think it will be towards the latter part of June that we will have the bulk of that vaccine in. So that's one vaccination only, which means the workload for the vaccinators is reduced by 50%. Um, so that's, you know, I think there is a fair movement in relation to getting in vaccines now. And the the target is obviously to vaccinate as many people as possible at the earliest possible date. I think there's over 750,000 people now who've got at least one dose. And then there's quite a number of people now who've got the second dose as well. So movement progress has been made. It's not as fast as what we would like it to be. But I think a lot of things are going to change over the next three to four weeks. But the target of 80% of the population getting at least one vaccine by late June, do we take it that that's not going to be met at this stage? Look, I think there's no point in making promises to people that then people are um, saying you said this on such and such a date. I, I'm not in the um, involved at the uh, coal phase in this, um, so I don't have up-to-date figures about what the expectations are. But I think every effort is being made that once vaccines become available, that there will be the clinics will be in place. The in fairness, the commitment by the people involved in vaccination, whether it's vaccinators, whether it's nurses, whether it's um, GPs, whether it's hospitals, they've all made every effort to use up vaccines in the fastest possible manner and make them available. And there's, there's a lot of people, for instance, in cohort four that I was directly involved with where they were very concerned. Say they had, I had one person, for instance, in his 30s, he had um, lung cancer. Initially, when the whole program was rolled out, he was way down along the list um, for vaccination. He's on chemo treatment. He needed vaccination. Likewise, with people who were on dialysis, they were way down along the list. Uh, a, a large number of those have been vaccinated. There is still an issue in relation to, and it's a concern that I've had and I've raised it directly with the Minister, about people who have not been able to tra- travel to their GP because they're bedbound um, and I have a number of those cases around the county where they still haven't been vaccinated and I'm actually quite concerned about that and I'm again following that up again. Um, I just wrote to the HSE again yesterday evening on a number of those cases and I would hope that those are also dealt with as soon as possible. Okay. But with you know further worrying news and question marks around AstraZeneca, vaccination hesitancy, uh, column is a huge concern, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, in fairness, if you look at the the results, and I think this is what people should look at, um, you take our nursing homes. We had something like two, two over 2,500 people um, in nursing homes going back about three months ago with uh, COVID. Um, the last uh, analysis in relation to people in nursing homes, it was down to 78 so it just shows how much progress has been made. Um, and it and shows that vaccinations work. 
and it shows that vaccinations work and in fairness to nursing home staff they had a hugely challenging time um, in particular in the there were nursing homes that were um, totally COVID free for 10 months and next it came into the facilities and it was it came in at such a fast pace that it was almost impossible to handle and that was the sad part about it that they had done so much work worked so hard for 10 uh, months and suddenly came in and you know I've had my own experience in relation to a, a member of my own family where she worked in a facility not in Cork um, and this is at a very early stage she was working she's working in a geriatric psychiatric facility and this is outside of Cork and um, she unfortunately got COVID herself in fact all the staff and the patients in the facility um, got COVID and uh, while she was out on the two weeks um, recuperating and uh, nine of the 27 uh, residents in the facility died mm. My God. So, like, you know, when you get yeah. it like that, and that was at a very early stage, that was last April. That was um, even before the, the Bush strain, the, the UK strain came absolutely. in. Absolutely, yeah. and it was just, but it was a facility, you see, um, where there were six residents per ward. Once it came in, it was extremely impossible to control it. And um, that Whereas was, now, because of vaccinations, those residents are all safe. Yeah, yeah, but I still think we need to move away from, and this is the whole challenge that we have in relation to um, public nursing homes. We have a huge amount of work to do in relation to bringing them up to modern day standards. I mean, having um, five or six residents inside in in one facility um, or in one one room, one ward or one room is no longer acceptable. And I think we need to do a huge amount of work on that. And, you know, there... um, the, the, we have um, a system now in relation to we have about thirty thousand people say uh, who thirty thousand people in residential nursing homes. That's between community hospitals. About twenty three and a half thousand of those are in the private nursing home sector. It's in the public nursing home sector that we have to do a lot of work as regards bringing community hospitals and. Um, HSE nursing homes up to standard and I think we, we owe it to the staff we owe it to the residents and we owe it to the relatives of the residents as well to make sure that we have adequate uh, care provided for, for for people they've worked all their lives um, this is in their last few years and I think it's important that we have a quality um, care available to them. Okay, alright and back to the issue that we invited you onto the programme about uh, car park charges at hospitals. Is it up to individual hospitals column to set their own car parking charges? It is, yeah. It appears that the HSE in different areas um, will have their own rules. Um, and I think we need to know it's part of the programme for government. Uh, and I understand fully that car parking charges have greatly reduced in the last 12 months because obviously you don't have the same number of visitors into hospitals because of the restrictions, and rightly so. But I think, you know, when hospitals open up fully, I don't think we can go back to a situation where... Um, you know, people are paying really a lot of money. In particular, say if you have someone who has a relative in in a hospital, whether it is a child or it's um, it's a parent, whatever, and they're calling every day into the hospital and they're accumulating charges, which add up. And 
then, you know, people say, well, why don't they use public transport? That's fine if you're living in the urban area where public transport is available. But if you're living in a rural area and you're travelling 25, 30 miles into a hospital, you have that cost of travelling in and then you have the cost of the car parking charge then as well. And I think it's something that we need to work on. I mean, you take, um, I think these are 2019 figures like CUH, for instance, brought in 2.5, over 2,595,000. the I think Limerick University Hospital brought in over 1.132 million. So, like a lot of money is being collected, and I I think it's wrong that hospitals um, are having to go and raise money like this in order that they can fund other services. Yeah, because I, the money raised uh, goes to run the hospital. So, I mean, if we take that money away from the hospitals, does that mean then the Department of Health will have to make up the shortfall? Yeah, but I think we I think I have no problem with parking charges, car parking charges, where they have to cover the cost of running the car park, and I fully accept that. And remember, in all of these uh, car parking facilities, there's very good security, there's you know maintenance costs, etc. And I fully accept that. And so I'm not talking about eliminating the charges. I'm talking about that there is a cap on them, and I think that's the important issue. Um, you know, the 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 hospitals. And provide this facility in order to, um, you know, make sure that access is available for both um, patients who are attending clinics, but also for people who are visiting loved ones in hospital. And I think it's important that those facilities are available. There is a cost, but it's important that the um, the, the the charges are not used to raise monies for uh, providing other facilities. And I think that's the important issue. Okay, and and you mentioned there was a commitment, wasn't there, by the under the program for government to is, to, yes. to to and it's to put a cap, not to abolish them, but to put a, it, what it, is it, it? A daily cap on charges? Is, is that a daily what you cap on charges? And I think that's obviously something that has to be sit down. We we have to sit down and work out what that cap will be. But I think there has to be a cap. Um, I think one of the problems raised uh, with me since I raised this issue over the last number of weeks, um, for instance, you could have people. Uh, misusing a car parking facility. Say you, you take, say, COH. Um, if you had someone driving in from the western side of the city and decided if there was free car parking um, and use a car park and then get the bus into the city, um, you could have misuse of car parking says And I think that would be very uh, relevant in the Dublin area as well. Um, so you have to make sure that you have the um, parking is uh, available but it's reasonably is, priced is, is, yes. is what, is what you that is also not used by people who yeah. are not uh, attending at the hospital or who are not visiting anyone at the hospital and that is not abused from that point of view um, for instance I'm on the board of the Southern Primary Stroke Victoria University Hospital we have a huge problem in relation to parking we don't have enough parking facilities because we're very much city centre um, and it's a huge challenge and in fairness we have very good staff there who try and supervise in the best way possible um, but it, it's always a challenge and it's a challenge as well in trying to accommodate staff and also in accommodating uh, medical people who have to who are called uh, who are called urgently and um, to deal with um, a patient who requires their care. 
Yeah, okay. All right, listen, Colin, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Uh, That is Finnegan's health spokesperson, Deputy Colin Burke, 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Income from sugar-sweetened drinks tax fell by almost 2 million in 2020. But campaigners say the 30 one million euro it did raise should be ring-fenced to fight obesity. Catherine Riley is policy manager with the Irish Heart Foundation and uh, Catherine joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning, Now, now Catherine, we waited long enough for this tax to be introduced. Was it always hoped that it would be ring-fenced and not just put back into general taxation? There was always hope that it would be ring-fenced in order to maximise the gains that could be leveraged from the, the tax in the first place. And from our point of view, it was never just a revenue-raising measure. It was never just there to fuel the coffers. It was, in fact, there to try and reduce the amount of sugar in our diet. Um, And then it would have the the double effect, if ring sense, of being able to be reinvested in children's health funds. I think now, more than ever, particularly when we talk about COVID-19 and the effect that that's had on children's health and their physical health, now more than ever, it's important that that money is um, ring-fenced. And we know that, for example, um, Irish, the first Irish Healthy Food Environment Policy Index report that was led by Dr. Janice Harrington there at, at UCC, they found that Ireland actually lags behind international best practice when it comes to the use of fiscal policy support healthy food choices. And one of their policy priority recommendations was that the, um, the ring sanctioning of tax on unhealthy foods to subsidise healthy options for disadvantaged groups of the community. So it was always there as a hope that it would be ring sanctioned, but unfortunately it just has never happened. And ha- has there been an evaluation on this sugar tax to see how it's impacting customer behaviour? Unfortunately, despite the, fa- the fact that tax is nearly three years old in Ireland, there hasn't been an evaluation yet. Um, looking at responses um, from the Minister for Finance to a number of TDs through parliamentary questions, we know that they're only taking the tentative first steps in an evaluation process, whereas in the UK there's already been two independent evaluations led by the University of Oxford and the University of Cambridge, which show that the amount of sugar purchased by households have fallen by 10% um, in the year following the introduction of the UK levy, which, just to point out, is actually introduced around the same time as Ireland, we've seen there was a um, 28.8% drop in the average sugar content of, dr- of drinks um, subject to tax in, 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 in the UK. So we know that it's been effective in the UK. Um, independent research has shown that. Um, but we haven't had uh, a similar evaluation here in Ireland, but we do expect the results will be very, very similar, um, given that the tax was modelled the same way. Um, we expect the behaviours to be done the same. And irrespective of... of the exact figures, as I said, we know it's been a success because we know that um, even before the tax was itself brought in, we know that it led industry to reformulate their products to try and avoid the levy. So before it was even brought in, it was a it was a, a success. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And are there any plans to extend the tax to other sugary snacks? And um, to date, there has not. Now, this is something that we, the Irish Heart Foundation, have been very vocal on. We know that the obesity plan um, has recommendations and, and action points that they would evaluate other fiscal evidence-based measures. 
Um, but to date, and we know from the review that they published only in the last few months, they haven't looked at any other evidence or any other fiscal measures, despite um, we know that there has been research in the UK that found that the attacks on high sugar snacks would have even more of an impact than the sugar sweet drinks tax, um, with, for, for example, a 20% price in- increase could reduce the average annual calorie intake by um, nearly 9,000 calories. And we know this has been evidence from Mexico um, where the imposition of an 8% tax on non-essential foods um, with, with high energy density um, would be reduced um, and improved um, the, the, the health. So we know that there is evidence out there, but it needs now to be brought into a collation process. It needs to be reviewed um, by the Department of Finance and the Department of Health. And we would hope that that will be done within the lifetime of this obesity plan. And that's when the the obesity plan is the, the midterm review now this year. We would hope that it would come back refreshed and look at these fiscal measures because we know that the sugar sweetened drinks tax didn't happen overnight. It was a long process mm. um, from when it was first mooted to when it actually came in in, in 2018. So we know that it's not going to be a case of being able to bring this in in, in the course of the year. And um, so we need this research to start now so that these measures can be evaluated so that um, evidence be, can be produced and that we can then implement it. And I know um, from last year and looking at this year, the Irish Heart Foundation will be looking for levies on, on, on um, you know, for example, chocolate and sweet confectionery. Okay, and people joke that they've put on weight during the pandemic and, you know, anecdotally you hear people talk about the COVID as stone. Do you worry that the pandemic has made our problems with obesity even even greater? Yes, it's definitely a concern and we've looked at um, research that's been undertaken in the last couple of months, particularly in respect of children. And we know that um, the, the Growing Up in Survey, Growing Up in Ireland Survey did a recent um, key findings from, from COVID-19. And they did say that um, uh, young people, particularly young women or, ter- or young, young girls, um, are, are increasing their consumption of junk food and sweets. Um, and, and that was because of their low mood. And so we do see, and we know from obviously the more sedentary behaviours, children aren't being able to take up you know, the physical activities that they once would have been. But we do know that there probably is more of an increase in consumption of junk food. And um, we do need, we obviously need further evidence, but this is, it is happening. And um, while there has, been, there has been evidence that the level of overweight and obesity in Ireland has been at a, as plateauing, um, I, I really think that COVID-19 will probably have increased the levels and research in the next year or so will will probably um, support that. Okay, all right. uh, We leave it there, Uh, Catherine. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Catherine Riley, who is policy manager with the Irish Heart Foundation. But isn't that a staggering amount of money? 31 million euro was raised last year just on the tax on sugar-sweetened drinks, uh, proving that we drink a lot of fizzy drinks, do we not in this uh, country? Thanks to uh, Catherine. Okay, just on the AstraZeneca and uh, we know that I think it was 15,000 people uh, were due to receive an AstraZeneca vaccine today 
and unfortunately all of those appointments were uh, cancelled uh, for everybody with AstraZeneca I don't know whether it was it's not just the under 60s it seems to be anybody who was due an AstraZeneca today they just decided while well, I suppose they're taking a breather and deciding where they go from here uh, with it but they were all cancelled and I opened the programme this morning saying how disappointing that must be for people so I assumed that people would have got phone calls or text messages or emails to say that their appointment has been cancelled where Caroline was on to us to say her husband, who was 65, drove from Mitchellstown to Porky Cueve this morning to get a vaccine. Now, he didn't know whether he was getting a Pfizer vaccine or an AstraZeneca vaccine. But the fact he was 65 and we're told AstraZeneca is OK for the over 60s, he thought he'd be OK. So he went from, got in the car, drove from Mitchellstown to Porky Cueve to be told, no, sorry, go home, you're not getting your vaccine. And so how disappointing was that? So they've obviously, do I take it from that, Carolyn, they've cancelled all of the vaccinations due for today, regardless of whether they were AstraZeneca or Pfizer. Thanks for your call and my heart goes out to your husband. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're talking about car parking charges with Deputy Colin Burke in the last hour and how difficult it can be to get parking at the hospital and then when you do get the parking how expensive it can be. A West Cork listener says Patricia, I worked in the Cork University Hospital for the last few weeks and I had to park my van across the road in the shopping centre as we weren't allowed to park outside where we were working and they wouldn't give us a day pass for the car park. I parked in the car park the first day. It ended up costing me €15 for the day and that was to go to work at the hospital. They should do something for the contractors going there. My van was full of tools and there wasn't anyone going to stand over them if my van got broken into and the security there didn't care. They told me it wasn't their problem. And that's from a West Cork listener raising a different side to what it's like for somebody who has to go to work at the uh, hospital. 1850 333 103. Um, I'm going to line one. Is it John Yeah. OK, we've been talking about COVID and AstraZeneca and, there's a, and, and I'm not ignoring your comments that are coming in because there are so many uh, texts coming in and I promise I will get to all of them. But just to reflect on the year that we have been through and how difficult COVID has been on so many families. We touched on it with Colin Burke in the last hour when he was talking about nursing homes and he spoke about a family member of his who works in a nursing home and not here in Cork in a different part of the country and just they kept COVID out but when COVID got into the nursing home it just ravaged through the patients and through the staff and they ended up in a very short period of time losing nine patients inside in the nursing home and how difficult that is and that's the reality for families and to lose a loved one in circumstances like that can be really difficult. Anne is in Clondrahad and she has a story to share with us this morning. Good morning to you Anne. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome to to the programme. Now firstly can sincere condolences to you on the the loss of mm-hmm. your your mother. Your Thank mother you. passed away. Now was it was it covid? No, no, no it wasn't no. covid. She was uh, a resident in a nursing home. Correct. And obviously lockdown came and you weren't able to get in to see her. Talk, talk me through what happened then when you realized that your mother was coming to the end of her days. Well, we were on our sixth week without seeing our mother. Um, she was a mother of eight, and um, she took a bad turn 
the week. She, she Her anniversary is um, the 18th of April, which is Saturday. And I just prompt the phone call um, because we're 12 months down the road and we still can't celebrate the life she had, the life she gave us, um, her last um, as a mother. Um, and we have to, we're actually arranging to meet on Sunday at her grave to have a rosary. You know, it still isn't funny that she's gone for us because we, her mess, her funeral mess, it was just immediate family. You know, for a woman that was loved, um, naturally by her, her immediate family, but everybody, and I think everyone deserves the right to a proper funeral. Regardless. And in the weeks after she took the turn, and obviously as a family, you probably realised that this was About a it. week and a half, Patricia. Week and a half. week and a half, that's what it was really. And um, we got a phone call saying that um, Mama took a uh, chunk. It was actually um, Mother's Day. Oh. And they were doing a Zoom call. And um, we had met at my sister's house, waiting for the Zoom call. And um, my other sister got a, a phone call saying that from the home that Mam had taken a turn. And we asked straight away, can we see her? And they said, no, that they'd leave us know. It was two o'clock now, Patricia. And they said they'd leave us know in a couple of hours. So they, they, they rang and they said that was the usual, you know, that she was unresponsive, but she was taking fluids um, by the spoon. And I won't go into it. I know, I know, I know. Um, but, um, you know, should we... Um, did, you, did you get in to see her? Um, on the Monday... Uh, the first thing happened was, it's surreal it is so surreal my sister and I drove up and um, it was a beautiful day and the window was slightly open sorry no and, um, we called her name and I said ma'am ma'am and I'm convinced we, and the minute she heard my voice she reacted Patricia and uh, I said ma'am give me your hands all I wanted to do was touch her we throw and she saw two or three of us every day. Yes, that's what we did. And um, they said, "No, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't, you can't." And you know, I we just I could we couldn't stand her. We couldn't stand her because it was just it was just heartbreaking. And every day, then we'd ring and we'd get a the the, the report and. Um, Anyway, uh, two or three days uh, passed and um, they realised that she wasn't going to come out of it. And, and then they said, I got a phone call and I was actually both of my niece and I wasn't expecting it from the home. And she said, um, and, you know, your mother isn't isn't going to pull out of this, this time. Um, there's eight of you there. Will you nominate two? Oh. I nearly had a... I nearly, I swear, I could not get over it. I said... I thought, I can't nominate, we can't nominate two children out of eight to see our mother. So she, she, we had no choice, we had no option. So there was two nominated. And um, it, it broke the, the remaining six because, you know, it's very hard to come home and to tell them, you know, what happened, John. So um, on the Wednesday, I got, I went to first on the Wednesday and I got an hour and 10 minutes and I was asked to leave position. My sister got Wednesday evening. I got Thursday, an hour and the same, an hour and 15 minutes, I was asked to leave. And on Friday, um, on Friday, I went up at 11 o'clock, my usual time, and um, while I was there, um, the local priest rang 
And I thought, it was a courtesy call. I didn't know any different. And they handed me the phone and he said to him, he was so sorry and whatever. And he said, I'll make you, I will announce your mother. So I put the phone down by her, down by her ear so she could hear him. And he recited the last right. And he asked me to put the sign forward in her, put the sign of the class in forward, which I did. And I replied to the, the prayers. And um, he said, take care. Your, and, uh, she, your mother received the last rites over the phone? Yeah. Oh, my God. And was she a religious woman? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. She was. Because, you know, she had a hard, a hard life. You know, there wasn't, you know, Lango. Yeah, they didn't have much. They, you know, they, they didn't have much. Years, absolutely. My you God, Jan, it's beyond, it's beyond well, it is, cruel. It is, and uh, it's beyond, beyond cruel. And not, you know, I suppose, not taking from it, but from for the rest of my brothers and sisters. Not to say goodbye to their mother. And when I was asked to leave, I pleaded with them. I said, please, can I stay? And I was going out again. And on Friday evening, they said that the remaining siblings could see her through the window. Her grandchildren and her children looking at her through the window. It was I mean, to me, that is absolutely cruel. It's, you wouldn't, I, I don't know um, what conscience they have. Um, and and, and unfortunately, Anne, you're not the only family I know. to have. I you know I I know I, I, I remember that that man talking about his mother. It's exactly as you're describing oh, it, and they realised the that their mother had died, oh, and someone had to go to the front door of the nursing home to say, "Can somebody go in and check on ma'am?" Oh, and yeah, and I ma'am had you. had passed. Yeah, it's and then and then you went back. from you went from there then into a very unnatural funeral in the oh, Irish context. Unreal, unreal. Um, we rang on Friday night. Uh, she was very comfortable. Saturday, that was at half twelve, half four, Friday, early hours Saturday morning. She was very comfortable, no change. And um, I rang at eight o'clock and um, they said, no change, very comfortable. And we were hitting up, myself and my sister were hitting up and my phone rang at 20 past 10 saying she's taking her last breath. I got into my car and I drove that road up as fast as I could. With tears, I couldn't even see the road. And they didn't really want me to go in. And I said, my mother has passed away, that I need to see her. And very reluctantly, they left me in. They did not want me to. And did you, did you bring her home then? We did. Yeah. We, we couldn't, um, we couldn't even follow her. We had, it was just, you know, we thought we could go and, and you know, follow, the, follow her, bring her home. Mm. And we couldn't, we had to wait for the, we had to wait for her to be, be released more at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, last, it, last April when the funeral was held, was it, how many were allowed in the church? Well, she's eight. Eight. eight was four and four. And, um, and that was it. Eight. Partners and, and our husbands and, and wives and, and grandchildren um, were allowed. But that's what we see. It's a, we are Macoon Parish, and Macoon Parish is, the church is huge. 
but uh, but that's all. That's all there at the funeral, and even the, yeah, there story. isn't the big removal that you normally have, oh, and people coming to tell you stories. It, yeah, you need it, and as a family, you need it. You want to tell, you know, times that we got that she gave out to the time that didn't, yeah. you know, yeah. and you love to tell those things. You know, are the happy occasions, and she was a beautiful singer, absolutely beautiful. You know, everything was just taken from us, and also taken from our mother. It's heartbreaking. You know, Your story is absolutely heartbreaking. And a year, a year on, as you say, the on, anniversary. And we're still yeah, we, we still can't say we're having a mass to celebrate Francis' life, and you know have have a good chin, as they say. You know, but um, I don't. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's as you know, as Jean Paul, twelve months down the road, and it's now we're we're more hurt. I know. I know. Because I when it happens first, you go through the motions. You go through what you have to do. But I just think, you know, the way the homes and I and I do I think that I know Nefit and and, they, and I listen to you every day about the nursing home violence. Um but they there was a and I'm gonna be honest, there was um an emergency door right beside Mammy's door. No Patricia, they could have lived in that door. We were we were not interfering with the home in or any of the other patients or yeah. no, but, already, but, but before I go one thing I want to highlight which I cannot understand yet again Wednesday Thursday and Friday I was left in the main front door of that nursing home went right through the foyer right down to Mammy's room I can't figure that out Okay, listen, your your, your grief is as raw uh, today as it was this time last year. Forever, and I think more so when you see her name on the headstone, you realise, God mighty, she deserved, and so so was everybody else. It's not our story, it's not our mother, but she was our mother, and she deserved the fitting funeral, the fitting end. She, she, She needed to hear our voices. And we've all been told it's the hearing, the last to go. And all I could do was play Big Tom songs over and over. She loved Big Tom, did she? Since my mother. Yeah. Wow. And Margot's a beautiful song, which I never heard of my mother. So I sing it. And um, take this letter to my mother. It's absolutely amazing. Okay. And when Listen. you hear it being sung, it's not. You've put you've put the oh. story. I think you've summed up what a lot of people have gone through, and you're, and you're brave oh. to share it with us. Yeah. Listen, you look after yourself, I and will. and, and I look and will. and the family I stick together. You'll you'll we keep will. your mother's memory alive that way we for sure. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, God bless. Mind yourself. Poor. That's dreadful. That is. And as I say, Dan is just one who has the year what people have gone through since this pandemic uh, began. And she was right when she contacted John Paul. She just feels that the stories like that of families who have lost a loved one and who died in a nursing home and what they've had to go through is a story that I think it's only after this pandemic is all please God one day behind us. We'll hear more and more of those stories and families desperately trying to come to terms with their grief and uh, their loss. So thanks to Anne for sharing that. And uh, my heart really does go out to her and to the rest of her siblings. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. 
Uh, an Arctic driver is wanted. It's for an immediate start in the North Cork area. Full clean driver's licence, uh, please. Childminder wanted. It's for the summer months to care for children in the children's own home. That's in the Cantark area. While a valeter is wanted for cars and vans in Formoy. And the Avenue newspaper, they're looking for a news reporter for their head office in Mitchellstown. Full driver's licence necessary. For all the details and more job opportunities, please go online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Now last week, Jess Casey of the Irish Examiner wrote a piece highlighting the case of a young teenager with autism who spent an extra year in mainstream primary school after not receiving a special school place. And the family in Ballinlock now have been told there isn't a school place for next September for 14-year-old Adara. His dad, Gary Murphy, joins me to outline the family's plight. Good morning to you, Gary. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks uh, for having me on. Well, thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us. I suppose, take me back to when Dara started school and how did he get on in primary school and how did all that work out for him? Yes, so we were lucky, Patricia, from that point of view that he was able to enrol in his local uh, national school from five years of age. He would have had um, full-time support from um, uh, Superb SNA throughout his time in his school, St Anthony's in Ballinock there, you know. Um, And, like, he would have been in a class of 30 kids. um, They would have really kind of looked out for him and cared for him. Um, he'd never be on the same academic level as them, but he was he was included in the class. And but kind of you know, kids kids move on then transitioning from say um, primary to secondary to teenagers is a different ball game. Um, so all those kids in his class would know kind of say nine months out where they're going to secondary school. And not only does do we and Dara not know where he's going to secondary school. Uh, last year, we were find ourselves in the same boat again this year, Patricia. Yeah, and at what age did he receive a diagnosis? He would have been around four. Four, okay, so he he was quite young. So, yeah. But he, he went into school and he did the whole, he would have done the initial seven years in primary. Yeah. And then just, and then what happened when you discovered last year that there wasn't any suitable school it was St. Anthony's offered an extra year, was it? That's correct, yeah. So, like, we, we would have applied to this. There, there, there's one school in Cork that takes kids with Dara's diagnosis um, at secondary level. So they were full last year. Um, and, like, you have two choices then, Patricia. You kind of, well, you, you have one choice. You, you kind of either go down, you go down the legal route, you know. So, which is where we were going. And then kind of... At, we were offered, a, say, a plan B, which we were happy to go with, uh, given the the couple of months that we had trying to fight, um, to find information, and we were going around the houses to different bodies and um, etc. The different actors involved, you know, dealing with politicians, the NCSE, the Department of Education, and this plan B kind of we liked the sound of it. Um, but that has stalled, and we are still here now again um, in April not knowing where our child and not only our child in this occasion Patricia, but there's 22 other families in Cork that are in the same situation. Now there was 20 to 30 families as well last year um, that were in the same boat but we weren't able to rally you know Um, 
and because it is hard to get information um but on this year there is the, the other families were, were able to come together um so we are where we're at there's a kind of a meeting on the 22nd of april where <clears throat> there's a lot of big players going to be at it you know there's um the Taoiseach Michal Martin uh, Michael McGrath Norma Foley Josephine Madigan Wow you've got uh, all the big hitters there they're, they're all the big hitters there yeah. but they like it, it shouldn't even have to come to this no, nutrition no. because there's people in the Department of Education whose job it is in the planning and building unit and specifically the NCSE who would be the National Council for Special Education to plan for these situations like these these 23 kids didn't just drop out of air you know they've been in the system for years and let and yet here we are scrambling for a a place trying to put pressure on people to accommodate what is basically a child's right under our constitution to an education it's absolutely a shambles to be honest with you and in an, an ideal world what type of school should Dara be attending? In an ideal world, so like his psychological assessment would say that he he needs special school that's okay. specific to autism with a, an Okay, so disability. so it isn't it isn't mainstream secondary. That's no. not that's not suitable for Dara, and that's not what you're looking for. Exactly. So you're led by this psychological um, uh, report, you know. So, yeah. And that special school is full. It was full last year. It's full again this year. They have made a decision. The the patrons, which would be the brothers of charity, and the board of management have said they aren't. They're they're not expanding. Um, so the, the the powers that be then seem to have turned away from that school and they're looking elsewhere now. And there is other patron bodies that are willing to to accommodate the families and bring kids in kind of um, at secondary level now um, that can cater for kids with autism and um, intellectual disabilities, but they don't have the facilities. Um, and basically that's where we're at. All uh, the politicians and the, the powers that be, they're, they're, they're looking at sites, they're looking at buildings, but everybody seems to be looking. Nobody seems to be making a decision at any stage, you know. Um, so that's why this, this meeting on the 22nd is so important that we'll, we, we need to know where we're going in and around is that it, day. Is it also important for Dara to know where he's going next September or is he unaware that this is all going on? very unaware Patricia okay. But, okay. but that aside from his uh, not being aware he still needs to be set up to, to transition you know because kids like that are really kind of they thrive when they, they they're shown um, where they're going on a bit of routine kind of you know it really helps with the kind of the transition like kind of it's hard to describe to a child like that what the future holds. Yeah, he just yeah. doesn't get it, you know, so... And he's going, he's going to be 15, he's just gone 14, isn't he? He was 14 in yeah. February, so he'll, he'll be 15 next um, September. Yeah. It just, it struck me yesterday when I, I was looking at, at this story, your story, Gary, if he does go into a special school, will his education end at 18? It will, it will, yeah. You have to leave a special school when you're 18. And that's the other side of it, Patricia, like the, the mainstream um, schools with units, let's say, they can stay for their six years. So, like, if Dara went in this year into that kind of a scenario, he could stay till he's kind of uh, 20. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, it's just another form of discrimination where, where when you're dealing with um, 
kids with additional needs really like it this this really has been a journey of discovery for for us as a family patricia like we we have a daughter 17 going through a mainstream system without any issue whatsoever and yet we have a son who has additional needs and it's been an absolute uh, it, just the stress that goes with it and like, we've engaged with the system since 2017 always us the parents pushing 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 where's our child going you know and yet here we are four years later and there's still no resolution you, so bat- I, you battle it every turn oh, don't I, you every single turn Patricia trying to get information from like this, this National Council for Special Education they're not fit for purpose they, like you probably have some well-meaning people involved in it like but they, they like we 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 have found ourselves. We dealt with seven different individuals in the in the NCSE. Like we'd have been told, like at one stage, miracles happen. Um, we would have been asked, would we know of any buildings ourselves that could take the kids? Like these are all the people who are tasked. It's their job to plan for these scenarios. And and, and you also made a very valid point. Like Dara and those other twenty two kids didn't suddenly just arrive in the Cork area or wherever they're living. Yeah. It's it's known that these children, what age they are, how yeah. many more years they have left in whatever school they're attending. Yeah. It's known when they're all going to become 13 and will need second level uh, or special school placing. It's also going to be known when they hit 18 and might need an adult pla- placement, which brings me to the, can you even think beyond 18 at this point? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great point, Patricia. We can't. But we we have a fair idea what we're facing, you know. So we we're focusing on this. No, but yeah. we have to turn our attention fairly lively to the adult services when when this is all put in place, you know. But like, it, it, he's it, a lucky boy to have have parents fighting his corner. Well, and what kind of a what kind of a young man is a young man now at fourteen? Is what has he interests, uh, hobbies? What is he good at? What does he like to do? Yeah, so like he he would have. No, he he has a lot of strengths, but he his big problems. He has no interest in anything. You know, he kind of if the only way I could describe, he's in his own head. Um, the vast majority of the time, you're trying to get him to kind of come into our world. Let's say, um, like he, his communication would be on a say level of a four year old, but he's in a fourteen year old body. You know, um, so to look at him, he's the same as his peers. But it's only when you start communicating with Dari you realise uh, he's kind of significant challenges. Let's say. But um, yeah, so like, like if I could get anything across today, Patricia and and with you is kind of we need a decision, we need a way forward. Any of your listeners, if they could support us by emailing their local TDs, anybody who who's out there with a bit of power to kind of like it, it, it's going on in our society. Like I, I genuinely think it's a scandal in our society at this stage that there is a kind of a two-tier system. It's a form of education apartheid in, in the terms of neglect. We have a mainstream system going, on, going along grand and then we have a kind of a, a special education system that's totally neglected and it's, it's happening in our society. And it's a hidden problem, isn't it? It's Every most like only for, for for us having a child with additional needs, we'd be blissfully unaware as well. Yeah. But there's powers that be who aren't blissfully unaware, but the will isn't there to address it. Um, and like you know, it, it is a scandal. You saw the RT um, prime time investigates last year. That's yeah. how that's how families are treated and the disdain in which they're held by by our system. So. It, 
like all we're trying to do here is we're trying to find a school for September but there's a bigger problem there and it's like it, it really is a scandal Yeah unfortunately um, as, you, as you know you know and you've said your battle won't end but let's this is the battle that you have to fight at the moment but the war will continue Exactly Yeah And, 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 Patricia, right, and, you, and you have contacted all the local TDs and all of that and they all Yeah so yeah. like in fairness to the Taoiseach would be an active engaged for the yeah, last two years. Who'd so be your just, local TD? That would be your local TD. But that, that would just tell you how dysfunctional this system is that the, the, or the Taoiseach of the country can't move this on at the moment. You know, it's. Shocking. It, it beggars belief. Shocking. Really, Shocking. We'll keep in contact with you, uh, Gary. Good luck on that meeting on the 22nd and uh, keep us posted. I will do. Thanks, Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. There's a great dad. That's uh, Gary Murphy dad of 14 year old Dara just fighting for a school place. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's very own singer-songwriter Emo, aka Emmett Crotty, stunned audience on the new BBC show I Can See Your Voice which aired for the first time last Saturday night. Uh, Emo blew the judges away. Alison Hammond, Jimmy Carr, Amanda Holden as well as the host Paddy McGuinness and I'm delighted to say hot from BBC's newest show Emo from Glenmire joins me. Good morning to you. Hi Patricia. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very good and, and well done. I saw the show. You were absolutely fantastic. Now, for those that didn't see this new TV show, just explain how I Can See Your Voice works. Yeah, so uh, basically uh, they got through to me on uh, my uh, MO music uh, Instagram or whatever, but they uh, brought me on as a singer, but on the show, they don't know me uh, as a singer, so I'm part one of six of mystery singers. And the contestants come on the show, and they have to guess whether or not we're good singers through a different series of stages. So the first stage is just based on appearance alone, which a few people on Twitter didn't agree with. <laughs> and then, uh, second stage is a lip-syncing road, and then third stage is they get to see like a video log of your life, and then uh, fourth stage is they question you, and then so on. And they're knocking someone out um, at each stage. Uh, based on just they're trying to connect the dots and really they're connecting dots that don't necessarily exist because they've only so little to work with. Um, but that's how it works. But okay, I was, and uh, you, you went under the name Pitch Perfect. Yeah, so that was the persona because they wouldn't want to... Obviously, if they said my name, Emo, um, and people looked me up on the night, whatever, and saw like Emo Music... They'd know straight away. They'd know straight away, yeah. So they had the persona Pitch Perfect, which was like my rugby guys, whatever, a past career of mine. Okay, because you went dressed as a rugby player. Yeah, I did. <laughs> my, my thighs and knees were broadcasted globally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that's straight away through people. They straight away thought... I would have hit the bed if I knew that was going <laughs> That was last minute. <laughs> because I thought Amanda Holden saying, ah, he's a rugby lad and it's a bit of yeah. fun. The lads in the locker room have egged him on uh, uh, to do yeah. it. So you, so, and then when you do your lip syncing, the people that can sing, that was genuinely your voice we were hearing. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So the, the singers in there um, lip sync to their own uh, songs. So I would have been flown over prior to filming, but I brought the studio and I would have recorded uh, that James Martin song. 
And so I was lip syncing to my own voice, but they weren't convinced at all. And <laughs> my lip syncing, I suppose I'm not actually used to lip syncing to myself. Um, so I didn't practice all too much. But um, yeah, that's what actually knocked me out in the end. And that's what uh, didn't sell them on me. So they thought I was a bad singer. Ah, uh, great. So, so they, they the called you. They called you out as a bad singer, and I have a clip. This is a clip. Oh, yeah. uh, this is a, this is a clip from last Saturday's show. I could use just a little help. Can't start a fire. Can't start a fire without a spark. All right, that was that was you singing, uh, revealing yourself, and of course the judges' reaction then was, "Oh no, he can, yeah. he can sing." Were you gutted when you got called out? And uh, um, I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, it, like uh, I would have liked to have stayed on just for the, the the crack of it, anyway. But I got to actually watch the show. Uh, in amongst all the producers towards the end um, because I actually didn't know of the other mystery singers who was a singer and not but um, no to be fair uh, I was delighted to kind of go when I did because I got to sing that song as opposed to the other song at the very end uh, which would have been a duet with Danny Jones um, and I, I prefer to sing the Bruce Springsteen Dancing in the Dark number so yeah, um, I, I was happy I was actually gutted for them because <laughs> they were so good to see me. Uh, yeah, they good. were. They genuinely were. I, I, the, the the couple that were on the show, I was thrilled for them yeah. that they won the money, I have to say. I know. Um, yeah. I didn't think that that girl who, the last singer standing, I thought she was a fake, I have to say. I didn't oh, think. Yeah, yeah. The writer. I did not think that she was, a, she was a singer. I called the teacher right though. I knew. I said, he's nerdy enough. I bet she does have a good voice. <laughs> But anyway, 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 aside from all of that, you do have music in your family and this was one of the reveals at the end. Who's your cousin? Oh, yes, uh, it would be uh, Brian McFadden. Okay, so... Uh, so Enjoy from Westlife and his own career after, yeah. So it's a musical family and is there anybody musically here in Cork? Any of the family? Musically here in Cork? Yeah. Uh, other than, I suppose, the father would be wanting a shout-out now he's probably screaming at the radio. So, yes, my father himself would be a bit of a musician now. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose, like any... Irish household, we've all kind of got some uh, jingle and number in us. Um, but no, I, I, uh, my sister, she's actually based up in Dublin, but really it's kind of just uh, myself holding the reins down in Cork, the music side of, of the family. But this, you you want a career in music. This is this is your yeah. passion and this is what you're doing. I mean, you released a single last year. Was that your first yeah, single? Did. How did that, that was, yeah. How did that go was, for you? It was, yeah, it was, um, it was just coming off the back end of uh, solo shows I had uh, Windrop Avenue which is down in Cork and uh, even just prior to that I had Wheelands in Dublin so the ball was really rolling for me mm. and then I had uh, that single coming out but obviously Covid hit and so it put everything stopped so even the roll out into the summer at a bunch of festival slots they were all stalled up and so yeah it was it was good it was nice releases but yeah it was kind of tough so I'm a year later again coming back at it with a um, a, a smarter brain, uh, more experienced. Yeah, the timing, sorry, the timing. But listen, it's for all musicians. You're all kind of in the same boat together. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, and but it will it will come good and you will get those gigs and the festivals will come back and you will be on the stage and we will get to see you and you will be successful because with a voice like that you certainly are are, are going somewhere. And you have a second single coming out. I do. It's coming out this Friday uh, and it's called Make You Mine. Um, so, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram at Emma Music, whatever, you'll see me posting about that. Um, I, like, I'm on Facebook and other uh social media too so if you just look up for MO you'll see my icon with uh, I'm standing in the woods with a maroon top often <laughs> this is very artistic but yes I have a single Make You Mine coming out on Friday so you can pre-save that um, on Spotify and other streaming platforms that actually helps me out so much um, and written because you are a singer-songwriter you, you write yep. your own stuff I do okay, okay well done uh, so it's written by me uh, arranged melody by me it's produced by uh, another uh, very talented musician here in Cork uh, Gary Keane, um, who would be um, the fiancé of Stephanie Rainey. Whoa, uh, whoa. Yeah, so shout out to Steph too. She's a single coming out, so there's a bunch of uh, new music coming out of Cork. But um, yeah, pr- pretty much just myself uh, on the track, singing and uh, arrangement and the likes. Um, and inspiration for the song? Inspiration from the song, Patricia. I don't know, can I tell you that? <laughs> oh, is it very private? No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm releasing the song to the ground. Um, uh, the inspiration came from that. Uh, I miss, I miss a, a lady uh, abroad in Berlin. And um, yeah, she just kind of, um, obviously when you're writing songs, you can be uh, a more amplified version of yourself, you know, than reality. But um, she just sparked a bit of um, love interest in me. And then I decided to put pen to paper. And uh, it's kind of just trying to put write a song about when you kind of rekindle um, the excitement of, you know, finding spark in someone after um, a love prior that didn't work out, you know. So, um, yeah, that's kind of... And are you, still, are you still in con- contact? No. <laughs> <laughs> Does she know about the song? Uh, no. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. When you're a huge star now, and this is a big hit, she, she's going to come yeah. out of the woodwork, I'm telling you. Um, and and Emo, where is that? A, where does the, where's the name come from? Emo, it comes from, so, like, my, my name is Emma. Emma's, yeah. But, uh, the whole family call me Emo. Oh. Um, so it just comes from that. It's easier. Uh, oftentimes, with my kind of mumbly accent, anyway. When I say MS, it gets uh, misinterpreted for something else all the time. So it's great. Uh, MO is just very easy. It's and, great. Uh, it's great. It's great. And by the way, you were approached by the BBC to go on the show. You it, you didn't apply for that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I was in just middle lockdown, and I had been approached prior by these producers for uh, Britain's Got Talent before, but I wasn't really gone on that show. I wouldn't be um, a huge fan, so I kind of felt it was a bit you know false for me to go on it, but. Um, they approached me again and I was like, sure, look, nothing is happening for me right now. So I said, why not? I'll go for it. And so, yeah, they just saw my videos on my YouTube and stuff. They saw me singing the James Morrison song, which is on the show. Yeah, it's uh, terrific. It's, it's, it's terrific. And reaction since? Oh, it's been unbelievable. Um, it's been, everyone is actually so supportive. So I just want to say thanks so much to everyone who's actually um, gotten on to me since um, and just has checked me out. Um, it's been amazing so far. It's, it's blown up. I think I've over a thousand new people since uh, four days ago. Brilliant. Which is mind blowing for me. Brilliant. So it's, it's fantastic. Really it's, it's brilliant exposure uh, to get it. Uh, and actually, for people who missed it, because I know uh, you can't go on to the uh, to the BBC um, 
player outside of the the UK. But actually, if you just yeah. go, if you just go on if you go on YouTube and Google it, you'll get the whole yeah, show on, on YouTube. I think someone uh, uploaded it there. Well, so okay, we say I nothing about that. It. Yeah, whether yeah. it's legal or not. Anyway, yeah, if you want to see it yourself, <laughs> it's uh, well well worth seeing. It's great. It's a good show, isn't it? I mean, it's it it's, is. It's a funny idea because it kind of ties in everything brilliant about those reality TV shows, the, you know, with the X Factor when you have the people bombing on stage, people kind of love that because it's very funny. But uh, it purposely has that element and then it has the element of good singers too. So, And you can also play along at home. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's interactive. It works so, yeah. really well. It works really well. I enjoyed it. We will follow your career with great interest, Emo. And uh, go, so good much. good luck with the new single out on uh, Friday. Emo. I keep saying Emo. Emo's Emo. E M M O. All right. Okay. Emo, Emo, whatever it is. You're, you're Emo, going. Emo music. Uh, music e M M O. If people want to check you out, because you're certainly well worth uh, checking out. Good luck with the career. And uh, thanks Thank for joining so us on the programme. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Uh, M-O Music, E-M-M-O, if you want to check it out. And the programme, someone says, what was the name of that programme, Patricia? It's just started on the BBC last Saturday night called I Can See Your Voice. It's good, it's good. It's a, it's a fun, fun show. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've had a couple of listeners on looking for help and advice. Firstly, Noreen has been on to us. Noreen wants to get her hands on a working corded rotary phone. You know, the old fashioned phones that when if you first got a phone into the house when it was, what was it, Telecom Air and back in the day and you'd have to put your finger in and rotate the dial around. I mean, most young people today would look at that and probably wouldn't even know how to make a phone call on it. Uh, Anyway, uh, this, the the Noreen, we have Noreen's uh, contact details here. She's looking for one. If somebody has a working one, she wants to use it in the house. As I don't know why, it's a bit of nostalgia maybe in the house so it's got to be in working order if anybody has one can you let us know please and we can put you in contact with Noreen and then Helen Mallow was on to us and says does anybody know of a charity or an organisation that takes in old reading glasses Noreen has noticed obviously doing a bit of spring cleaning around the house and she's noticed that she's got loads of them and over the years obviously got replacement reading glasses and you know new prescription decided to get new frames at the time and she doesn't just want to throw them out. She'd love to donate them. Then maybe they could find a use somewhere. I remember many, many years ago when I, the opticians I used to attend used to take old reading glasses and they were sent out. I'm vague recollections that they used to go to some African charity. They were, you know, perfect reading glasses that, you know, people no longer use, like Helen and any of us. I wear contact lenses, but over the years I would have got I would have got loads and loads of reading glasses and various different glasses and then you change and, you know, styles change and your frames change. And it's one of those things you don't I don't think I've ever just tossed a pair of reading glasses into the bin. So I suppose if we all cleaned out cupboards and drawers we probably all find a lot of old uh, reading glasses because it's not something you just straight away put into the bin is it? Anyway does anybody know of and is, is my recollections correct I've just the vaguest recollection that there was a bin inside in an opticians and you there was a sign saying you know old reading glasses accepted and, and I'm sure we took old reading glasses from home and 
dropped them in and they went out to I, I've some kind of recollection there was a charity was collecting them for Africa anyway if anybody knows of anywhere today that's taking in old reading glasses for Helen and, and I imagine the fact I've mentioned it there's probably other listeners as well will say yeah we have reading glasses around the house we'd be willing to donate so if anyone can help us with that can you please give uh, John Paul a call 1850 333 103 and thank you to Margaret Intano who's responded straight away to Noreen's request about the old rotary phone. Somebody says you can buy those phones. Margaret said, for example, they're available in Tosbrines in Formoy, if that's of any use to Nori. Now, I don't know if she wants to buy a new one or she wants one of the genuine old phones in working order or not. But Margaret and Tallow says certainly you can get the old style phones. They are available. And somebody else says actually they're available on Amazon and you can also get them in Argos if that's of any use to Nori. So thank you uh, for that. And other people just responding to other issues we've addressed on the programme today and who joined us sharing the really a heartbreaking story. You, I mean, just my heart broke listening to Anne talking about how coming up to a year ago now she lost her much loved and beautiful mother who unfortunately died in a nursing home during lockdown, during the pandemic and trying to say goodbye to a much, much loved mother through the window of a nursing home. It's just dreadful, dreadful what families and, and as I said to, to Anne, not that she could take any comfort from it when you're going through that kind of pain yourself, but unfortunately Anne's family, not the only family who've experienced end of life in that way, so different to the way we normally do end of life uh, in this uh, country. But I've had a, an e- a text in from Mary in Formoy to say, Patricia, I would recommend to Anne uh, that she reads a book that was written in lockdown. It was written by Kevin McCormack from Kilworth and it's called We Mourn You Differently. If she's able to get her hands on a copy of that and it seems to be a collection of poetry and uh, verses but it seems to be called We Mourn You Differently by Kevin McCormack. Uh, thank you for that recommendation coming in from uh, Mary and uh, Maris said so sad listening to Anne sharing her story of the loss of her mother but in some ways she could be thankful that she had her mother for 85 long years my mother died at 42 years when I was only 12 at the time life can be so tough says Maris yeah absolutely I lost my own dad when I was very young uh, as well and never actually knew him I was I was only three but I always make the point to uh, people when they do lose a loved one at 85 or, you know, whatever age. I mean, yesterday I watched online the funeral of the wonderful Joe McCarthy, one of the founder directors of this uh, radio station who was just recently celebrated his 90th uh, birthday. And there's never, never a right time to say goodbye to a much-loved mother and a much-loved father, no matter how many years you have them for. And while you can be envious, if like myself and, and you too, Morris, losing your loved, much-loved mother at 12, you, you can, we can be envious of people who have their mothers and fathers in their lives for a long, long time. But it's never, there's never a right time to say goodbye, that's uh, for sure. And someone else, thanks for your text, Morris. Somebody else says, listening, Dan, oh my God, to give a dying woman her li- last rights over the phone. Government nursing homes and priests should all be pulled up for this. It is unbelievable. So important when you get your last rites that you get the oils. That's so important. I have to say of all of Anne's story, Anne's story was, you know, just utterly heartbreaking. The one that stopped me dead in my tracks was when she said that the priest gave the last rites over the phone and 
I, I don't know how often that has happened and maybe that's all that the priest could do but I that struck me I have to I'd agree with that texture that was the the highlight the one that really struck stood out for me as well just and for for a woman of faith who would take such comfort from getting the last rites for them to be delivered over the phone. But obviously that's what some priests have been forced uh, to do. Truly, truly shocking. 1850-333-103. OK, let's get into just a wave of uh, texts coming in. To, oh, there was one other I wanted to get to before I get into the AstraZeneca and the vaccine ones. This is res- in listening to Gary Murphy. Dara's dad, uh, her, his 14-year-old son, and they're fighting for a second year to try and get a, s- a secondary school place or a place in his special school for young Dara, who is a, a 14-year-old child living with um, autism. Uh, Patricia, hi, listening to Dara's dad, absolutely heartbreaking. Could C103 please contact the TDs this morning and get some help for this man and this family. There is no family should have to go through through this. And shame on Michal uh, Martin, Cork Taoiseach, local TD in the area where Gary is and letting this happen. Parents of children with special needs are always fighting for everything, be it speech therapy, occupational therapy and now to think we have families who are fighting for a school place. It is unbelievably sad says a WhatsApper. Thank you for that. Okay, just to get to some of your texts on the AstraZeneca Peter in West Cork says Patricia regarding the AstraZeneca vaccine are the over 60s being used as guinea pigs with this vaccine that has had nothing but bad press. I'm just over 60. If I got a call today to be vaccinated I would decline the AstraZeneca jab says Peter and says Patricia did you hear Kingston Mills on the Claire Byrne show last night stating that AstraZeneca is only 10.5% effective against the South African variant. I'm in my 60s and as I'm telling you now, I will not be taking that vaccine. I do not feel it's fit for purpose. That's from Anne. Hi Patricia, as a 65 to 70 year old in that age group, I feel we'll be thrown under the bus with the AstraZeneca vaccine. I have a type of blood cancer and I certainly will not be accepting it. I can't believe the number of people that are making all making that same point. This is the vaccine hesitancy that we now have, particularly when it comes to AstraZeneca. But here's somebody taking kind of a different view on it says Patricia people don't understand vaccines you get the protein of the virus so your body reacts to it so a lot of people will get a reaction and this is people who get the after effects for a couple of days afterwards that's perfectly normal AstraZeneca is still one of the best vaccines and there's more risk with clotting with the contraceptive pill than we're taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. People saying remove it from the market is just pure scaremongering. No drug, etc. is 100% safe. We don't have enough vaccines to pick and choose. It's an enormous challenge for all involved. Think of the staff working day and night to research, create and pack and distribute the vaccines. And people can be impatient and overly critical of it. Getting people vaccinated at all at this stage of a pandemic is a wonder of science and what people can achieve. I think we need to just take the advice voice concerns to your healthcare professional but please don't be scaremongering I got my first AstraZeneca jab and I would take the second one thanking you that's one of our listeners by WhatsApp and then some of your texts uh, coming in on uh, this Hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, Hi, Patricia. My friends and I are worried. We are all over 60 and in that age group. Does it matter if we get a blood clot? And some of us do have health problems. So what chance do we have when it comes to side effects? That's from a Mitchestown listener. But as when you read the expert advice, all the cases that have come out have been in younger women. It hasn't been in men. Even though it's only one man, I think so far, it's mainly women. It hasn't been in the over 60s. That's why the science is saying it's okay for the over uh, 60s. Hi, Patricia. Just because something is a world policy, it doesn't justify it. Some doctors in Cork have yet to protect medically vulnerable patients and more are well advanced beyond this point. Are doctors using unfair discretion or what when it comes to their patients? Who's overseeing who they vaccinate uh, on their files? They're vulnerable or are they doing their more friendly patients, says a a text. Listen, I'm very slow to criticise any of the GP practices because they are just working flat out and so many GP practices have had to ring patients who they've booked in for vaccines because enough vaccine didn't arrive. They've had to cancel it. Think of, of, I don't know if any doctors were giving AstraZeneca today. They would have had to cancel those patients. I know we've checked in with various GP practices to see how they're doing it. Some went alphabetically uh, in giving, you know, when they got to the over 80, when the first cohort, the over 85s, they literally did it alphabetically. Others literally did it by age. They did it from their oldest patient and worked back down uh, from that. So they're all using different criteria, but I don't think they're picking and uh, choosing. They're trying to do it in a fair way as possible. And it has been a nightmare for some GPs. I've heard, I heard uh, one GP who was speaking on behalf of other GPs as well, having gone through the over 70s cohort, which the GPs are still working through. And they've said this has been so, 
stressful on the GPs that there are some GPs that they've opted when we get to the stage of giving the vaccines to the general population, some of the GP practices are opting out and telling the HSC no, we'll finish off our over 70s but this is too, too uh, stressful and it has been on the workers, you know, the the secretarial staff and the practice nurses, they are getting such abuse from patients and it's it's unfair, it's really unfair criticism because the doctors and the practices can only work with the amount of vaccines that they receive. I mean, if they had their way they would literally have enough vaccine to do everybody on their books. But unfortunately, that's not the way it has been. Hi, Patricia. I am over 65. I've health problems. I've heard nothing to date about my uh, jab. It's actually making me uh, very upset. I'm not hearing anything. Mavis says, I wonder if the blood clots in younger women receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine, could it be related in any way to them being on the contraceptive pill? I know there was a risk at one time of blood clots and the pill. Well, I saw scientists come out yesterday when they were defending AstraZeneca and saying you have a much higher chance, this is younger women have a much higher chance of getting a clot from being on the contraceptive pill than they do from being on AstraZeneca but I don't, I haven't read any studies to say there's a link between the two but no doubt it is something that is being looked at Mavis, thank you for your text. Another texter says, I am in my 60s I'm terrified. I have an underlying medical issue I definitely will not be accepting the AstraZeneca jab if it's not suitable for younger people and if it's not suitable for the over 70s, then it's not going to be suitable for me. John says, Patricia, why don't, why can't the government be straight with the people? Well, you know, hang on, John, I think they are. They're coming out with everything, any piece of information they get, they're bringing it to us uh, straight away. John says, everyone won't be vaccinated this year and make no mistake about it, we will have a fourth wave. I'm watching the UK and how well ahead they are with the vaccinations. Um, I'm questioning now our government and the decisions they've made. We need an election ASAP. And I don't know if many people would agree with John. Do we want to go back to the polls? How would we run an election during a pandemic, uh, John? Is that what people uh, want? Hi, Patricia. Like all medication, we all react differently. Knowing our own body and our mind is so important. I think everybody should do what they feel is right for them. Don't be bullied. Don't be pressurised into having a vaccine that they're not comfortable with. And then here's another interesting one from somebody who has been vaccinated. said, I got my first vaccine. AstraZeneca. One of the questions on the forum was, are you allergic to any of the ingredients contained in this vaccine? I was gobsmacked. Uh, I said the forum doesn't say what the ingredients are in the vaccine. So I asked the nurse. The nurse said, oh, all the ingredients are in the booklet that you received with the form." So I quickly rushed to get the booklet. But it doesn't give you much time to study the booklet. Also, didn't know what all the ingredients were. So I didn't really fully understand what all the ingredients were. So the question does not make sense when one doesn't understand what one is looking for. I suppose what they're looking for there are people who know that they are allergic to certain ingredients or certain drugs. I mean, most people will know I mean, the obvious one is penicillin. People know when they're allergic to penicillin. So I suppose that's why are you allergic to any ingredient? If you have allergies, then you would raise it at that stage and say to whoever's giving you the vaccination, well, I'm allergic to X, Y and Z. And then obviously you can check the list of ingredients to see if any of your known allergies are actually on it. I'm assuming that's why that question is being asked. And Tim says, before Christmas, the Germans had doubts about giving the AstraZeneca to the over 60s. Are the Irish the only people 
confining the AstraZeneca to over 60s, the opposite to the German system. Well, I mentioned that earlier. I don't know if you were, uh, were listening or not. We're not the only country. There's a number of other countries, including France, are limiting it to... Uh, uh, they're not giving it to people under 55. We know the United States haven't given any AstraZeneca and doesn't look like they're going to be using it at all. Germany, you're right, they're, they're not giving it to people under 60. Uh, Canada have, have limited to people over the age of uh, 55. Italy have gone with Ireland with the over 60s only. And we know across the, in the United Kingdom, they are limiting it to people over the age of 30. They're not giving it to the under 30s. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Tim. And then on hairdressers, there's a couple in on hairdressers. Hi, Patricia. Are the hair and beauty salons opening the first week in May or do the hairdressers have to be vaccinated as well as the customers? I'm confused with all the stories going around. You might be able to clarify this, please. And somebody else says, when the hairdressers open, will it only be for customers who are vaccinated? And what about the hairdressers? Will they have to be vaccinated as well? There is talks. There's nothing set in stone yet. There's talks of hairdressers and I imagine beauty salons will be with it. There's talks of them opening at the start of May. There has been talks about the vaccination bonus for people who are fully vaccinated and there was at one stage there was a call from hairdressers it was something we did on this programme hairdressers were saying look why don't you let us reopen for the people who have been vaccinated and the idea would be in the main it would be the older population, those over 70s and obviously it would be the healthcare professionals and the nurses etc. And one of the points being made by the hairdressers who we spoke with were saying it would stop that huge rush when the hairdressers do eventually open if they already had all of the vaccinated people, if they already had already given them their hairdos. Uh, but nothing became of that. That was just a suggestion from the hairdressers. But certainly there has been talks about it, but nothing confirmed. As soon as we get any confirmation, we certainly will bring it to you. And Patricia, you can tell everyone there'll be no holidays this year. We'll be holidaying again in our back garden. Trip to the local shop for your ice cream and your sunscreen and then back to your garden. The summer will be well over. Mark my words, says this texter, before everyone will be vaccinated. Maybe this time next year. We'll all be able to talk about holidays. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. The Kildallery Bingo Group are reminding you that books for their home bingo are now on sale locally and in Mitchellstown. Books cost €5 and proceeds are going to support Kildallery Community Development and the Kildallery GAA. And June and Tony Connolly are fundraising for My Canine Companion. It's a charity that provides therapy dog services and autism awareness programmes. They're also hoping it will benefit their 11-year-old son, James, who's non-verbal and would greatly benefit from the services of My Canine Companion. They plan to virtually walk from Mizzenhead to Mallonhead and are asking for your support by donating to their campaign. You can get all of their details on their social media sites. And actually, thank you to one of our listeners who sent in a donation for that particular fundraiser and we will send it on to June and Tony Connolly of My Canine Companion. And the Cork Deaf Association, they're offering free online classes in mindfulness for people who suffer from tinnitus. It's Tuesday evening, so it's on tonight between 5 and 7pm and it starts this evening. More information from Sarah at 
corkdeaf.ie or call 083 027 6098. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Quick look through some of your texts flying into us. Uh, somebody says before the lockdown, Blackpool Library were collecting reading glasses. Not sure if the charity that was reusing them, says Judy and Carrick Navarre, but they certainly were being collected in Blackpool Library. And then somebody else says that Specsavers in Mallow are collecting old reading glasses. So if somebody wants to get onto your local Specsavers, because I imagine if one branch is collecting them, that I imagine all branches are collecting them. So if you want to uh, check in with uh, Specsavers and that was, who was it? Helen. And Helen actually is in Mallow, the Specsavers in Mallow. She wants to check there, Helen, to see if you can pass on your old reading glasses. And then on the vaccine. Hi, I know there had to be, I knew there had to be some advantage to old age. I'm 81, says this Douglas listener. And I had my two Pfizer jabs arranged by my lovely doctor, Dr. Dr. Shallow and carried out with kindness and efficiency at MTU, says a Douglas listener. Well done. Someone else says none of the hairdressers should be opened until everyone is vaccinated against the idea of a vaccination bonus for people who are fully vaccinated. Hi Patricia, I know a lot of people of different age groups who have had the AstraZeneca jab in the United Kingdom and they've all been fine. Now I did have quite a reaction from the Moderna vaccine. Whole of my body ached and I felt sick with a very bad headache. However, I recovered and I'm fine now. So there are a lot of people reporting side effects from all of the different vaccines but you get over it and then you are okay. Hi Patricia, if the vaccine is not safe for under 60s and over 70s, how is it safe for the 60 to 69 year olds. Someone else says too much information is not needed on this vaccine. People should just get it when they are called like I did. And by the way, I'm feeling great, says a uh, texter. Hi Patricia, can you find out if there's a history in your family of blood clots should you not get the AstraZeneca? I can't talk to my doctor about it. Well, that's one of the things you certainly when you go to get your vaccine, you certainly will be able uh, to discuss I heard Dr. Mary Xavier of Neffet actually been asked that question by somebody who had a hist- I think had a blood clot themselves and w- was worried about it. And there's no scientific evidence that any of the very rare number of cases, the 30 cases that have come out worldwide, none of them had had a history of blood clots. So it isn't to say that just because you are family members with a history of blood clots that you're more likely to have a blood clotting event. I think none of the 30 cases had any history history or family history of uh, blood clots. And Mary said, I went to St Mary's in Cork yesterday, in and out in 10 minutes for my vaccine. Very, very happy with the uh, setup. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. 
Just a final few WhatsApps in on the AstraZeneca. Maura says, uh, hi Trish, I'm over 60, suffering from serious health conditions. Tell you now, I would take the AstraZeneca. Uh, I would take my chances rather than uh, take the risk of getting COVID. And someone else says, Patricia, as the benefits far outweigh the risk of being given the AstraZeneca vaccine, should it not be left to individuals to make the choice whether they want it or not? Surely there would be many willing to get the coverage that you would get and the protection you would get from the AstraZeneca and would take it without delay. And certainly from the calls coming in this morning, there's a lot of people there's a split. There are people saying, no, they don't want to get it. But there's others who would say, yeah, I'll roll up my sleeve for you here and now. And on the risk of getting blood clots, when I was saying I saw the scientific evidence of your chances of getting a blood clot because they're just minute. Uh, thank you to a listener who sent this on because I actually saw this online yesterday. The risk of getting a blood clot from the AstraZeneca vaccine is four cases in every million doses that are given out. The risk of getting a clot from the birth control pill between 500 and 1,200 cases per 1 million uh, women, uh, which works out at 0.12%. If you are a smoker, 1,763 cases of blood clots because of smoking per 1 million smokers. And then from getting a blood clot, if you get COVID infection, the number is staggering, 165,000 cases per million of people diagnosed with COVID. So it's up to people uh, to, to to see the risks, they are tiny compared to what the risk of getting a blood clot if you actually got COVID. Anyway, let's park it there and our apologies if we didn't get around to all of your uh, texts. We certainly will read all of them and uh, we'll take a look at them. Uh, we, we, we read them all if we don't get to mention all of them on air. We may bring a sample of them to you tomorrow. But I want to move on because Joe Heffernan uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Jo- They're very interesting facts that you just read out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, about the... Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's to weigh up the risk. That's what everybody needs to do and where you go for the advice and speak to your I know it's difficult to speak to doctors at the moment but when you go to get your injection there's nurses and doctors there who will be able to talk you uh, through it Yeah, uh, you know we, yeah. Ha- we have to get out of this uh, somehow anyway it's a, it's a pity that the science has gone that way now yeah, but I mean the science is the science but what you're talking about there is science as well yeah. I think one of my sons who has got the AstraZeneca because he's a frontline worker um uh, was telling me, I don't know, is it 600 or 6,000 times more chance of a clot on a long-haul flight than you'd ever have from the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's unfortunate and there's, it's, there's vaccination hesitancy which always worries me oh. because I know how important vaccines are. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about resilience because yeah. resilience I think today uh, is so important. We've spoken yeah. about resilience with frontline workers but all of us in our everyday life, we all need resilience. We Explain need it today why. more than more than more than in the years gone by, don't we? Explain why why we need to build resilience and why it's important. Well, to see us through this, to to see this through this, um, uh, to be able to put one foot in front of the other and keep going, because that's what most of us, including myself, are doing. Um, it's kind of like hanging in there. Um, and uh, there are days, you know, there are days when um, when it's a bit tougher than others, especially if there are other um, things happening in our lives that um, uh, that are stressful, even though they might have nothing to do, basically, with COVID-19. It's just tough going. 
And the American Psychological Association then, they, they suggest 10 ways to build resilience, to see us through the thing. Okay, talk us through the, t- the okay. 10 steps that we can take. Well, the first one, I suppose, is rather obvious. It is to maintain good relationships with close family members, friends and others. In other words, stay in touch. Stay in touch with people that uh, do you good to have an old chat with. You it see, might that's be been, only about the weather. Yeah, but that's been tough on people because you can't call in. You can't do the usual yeah. popping in for a cup of coffee, meeting yeah. up with, with, with somebody. And... But we just have to find other ways and that's where modern technology, Skyping and just the good old-fashioned phone. Absolutely, just the phone call. Um, maybe an old text uh, now and again. Um, uh, you know, just to, just to be aware that there are other people there who wish you well. They want you to be okay. And that's a fact. So we need to kind of be aware of that and to stay in touch, whatever way we can. Now, I'm not 100% clear on it, but I know that there's a slight easing since Monday on um, uh, on, on meeting up with another household. Yeah, you could meet up with one other household now yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah. So, so there's your there's your chance if you haven't met yeah. up with somebody in a while, you know. But it's it's to force yourself because I think. You can get into a routine where it almost becomes, oh, sure, I'll just stay at home. I won't get dressed up. It's, you know, and you can yeah. go into yourself. Yeah. So you need to work on that yourself. You do. You do. You need to take yourself on. Sometimes if we want to find the enemy, we need to look in the mirror. Um, uh, our greatest enemy sometimes in life is ourself. And, um, yeah, we need to... We just need to take ourselves on because being good to yourself does not necessarily mean being easy on yourself. Being good to yourself could mean doing uh, something that you kind of like don't really feel like doing. Um, uh, But, you know, when you look forward to look back, you say, okay, at 6 p.m. this evening, how will I feel if I... Here I am with my old example again. How will I feel at 6 p.m. if I went for a walk? pretty good. How will I feel if I didn't go, just sat there? I won't feel so good. Mm. So um, uh, even though uh, Alder today now is beautiful here and uh, I will definitely enjoy a walk, but um, normally if it's kind of cold and miserable and it's the slightest bit of rain and I say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We all do that. I wouldn't worry about about that. Uh, To avoid seeing crises or stressful events as unbearable problems. Yes. To kind of say, um, you know, that everything is bad. Everything is awful. Um, I cannot bear it. No, we need to avoid that. We can bear it. We definitely can. And, um, you know, that old saying that I often use, this too shall pass, mm. is true. And that's really important at, at the moment. Yeah. And, and it ties in lovely with the third one, to accept circumstances that cannot be changed. Yes, it's like that serenity prayer, serenity um, uh, thought. Um, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, it's been awful for people in that new information seems to come out now and again, and the whole issue 
is changed. Like the change now to the over 60s for the AstraZeneca. Fair enough. But like, we just need to adjust to that. Um, the, the science people are only trying to kind of keep us safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would agree with the listener that, that phoned in um, about if a person says, I'll take the AstraZeneca because um, uh, the odds um, of it doing me good are very high and the odds of it doing me any harm are minimal. So I, th- I think there could be a little bit of personal responsibility allowed there by the science people to to let people um, uh, make a decision themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, to develop realistic goals and move towards them. That that that's that's an important one. Just and they don't have to be massive goals. No, they do not. Um, <laughs> we're back to the walk. Um, you know, a realistic goal would be I will go for a nice walk this afternoon. A realistic goal might be I will phone that friend that I haven't phoned for quite some time. Um, a realistic goal uh, might be that I'll, um, you know, <laughs> say a few prayers this evening that, um, uh, you know, to help me uh, get through the day and the night. Yeah, but just make sure that they are realistic. To yeah. take decisive actions in adverse situations. Yeah. Um, in other words, like, um, uh, to make some decisions uh, rather than just uh, leaving them as a thought. Um, if you decide you're going to make that phone call to a friend that you hadn't been in touch with for some time, um, it's a granting as a decision, but it's totally useless if you don't make the phone call. The same with the walk. The same with, we'll say, um, at the moment now, I, I'm trying to um, cut down on, uh, on, on, on sweet things um, because I've put on a bit of weight during this thing. And um, that means I will not eat uh, sweet today. Well it done. just won't happen. Well done. And yeah. you'll, and you'll yeah. feel better for it. And if you lose a bit of weight at the same time, you'll feel even even more better. Absolutely. OK, to look for opportunities of self-discovery after a struggle with loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lady on there a while ago and um, it was heartbreaking to hear it, as you said. Um, the person that... Uh, and who lost her dead. mother, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, and... Um, you know, uh, people have got sick and uh, people are trying to cope with um, uh, sickness and people are trying to cope with looking after those who who got sick. Um, and I suppose the opportunity of self-discovery would be to see, my God, I, d- I never thought I could do this, but I'm doing it. And sometimes when we look back on life, we kind of can say I definitely can. That I'd look back and I'd say, I don't know how I did that. Yeah, and we've all said that. I don't know how yeah. I got through that period, but, uh, yeah. but you do. And to develop self-confidence. I mean, that's what this is all about, isn't and it? And th- th- that would come from the above ones that we just talked about. Yeah. Because, you know, nothing succeeds like success. And it mightn't be that we take over the world, but it might be that we did something that was uh, positive in our day. To try to to keep a long term perspective and consider the stressful event in a broader context. Yeah, I suppose that could be summed up at the moment, uh, Patricia, by kind of saying, um, you know, this will end. We will get out of this blooming thing. Um, 
and and to kind of say, right, I'm I'm under stress today, and um, and I can definitely say that I am under stress today, but um, you know, in the broader sense of life, um, what choice does one have except to plug on, put one foot in front of the other, and keep going, and um, and do the best we can now. In the Resilience 10, I suppose they're very secular. Um, uh, but uh, if, if, if I was writing it, I, I'd, I'd have a number 11 in there. Um, I find that the bit of prayer, um, uh, the bit of spirituality um, uh, is, is helpful at times like this. Yeah, whatever form that takes whatever for, for people. Yeah, takes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to maintain, I, I like this one, it's to maintain a hopeful outlook, expecting good things and visualising what is wished. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm visualising myself at Cork Airport quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Passport in hand. Huh? Passport in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. My big wish is the. I'd love to go for an old holiday when this thing calms down. Bit of sunshine on the bones, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't we all? And then, of course, the final one is to take care of one's mind and body. Your famous walk, exercising regularly, and paying attention to one's own needs and feelings. And this is back really to the very beginning. One looking at yourself in the mirror. You've got to look out. If you can't look after yourself, how are you going to be able to look after anybody else? No, you're talking. It's like the old thing we talk about all the time, the aeroplane. Um, when the oxygen thing comes down, you're told, put on your own first and then tend to any dependent person or child. We need to look after ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to be gentle with ourselves. And if we have a bit of a wobble and if we have a bad day and if we were a little bit sharp with anyone, well then, to kind of say, look, times are tough. I'll just say sorry and um, uh, and and get past it, you know. Yeah, and I I don't know whether this helps. I, I always, you know, and we all get bad days and we all get days where we're just sick and tired and fed up of it. Yeah. I always kind of constantly remind myself and say, look, we're all, I'm not the only one going through this. Everybody's going through the same thing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, this is one worldwide thing that no one is avoiding. Um, we can, by, by, by taking care of ourselves and following the, um, the safety, um, you know, uh, you know, the social distancing, the washing the hands, etc., etc., wearing the mask. Um, we can, we can, uh, we can look after ourselves, and we can try to ensure that we don't catch the uh, the virus. But it's worldwide. I mean, whether you're in Russia, whether you're in America, whether you're in India, whether you're in Ireland, um, uh, it can really, really be said this time: we are all in this together, whether we like it or not. Yeah, and it's one of the points that the leading scientists make. We're not all out of it until we're all out of it. And that's why that. we've got to be careful about when it comes to greed, about grabbing all the vaccines. Yeah. You know, we, we, we need the whole world to get out of this. But as you said, this too shall pass. We yeah, will, we'll. you know, there will come a day when we will be remembering, hopefully on a Reading in the Years programme. And we look back and say, God, remember the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, and we will really, really, really appreciate the things that we took for granted. I mean, you know, if we pop down to the cinema and go to see a film, well, we're going to be thinking, do you know what, this is great. We couldn't do this during the pandemic, whereas we wouldn't be saying, this is great for going to see a film uh, before this awful blooming virus uh, attacked us. 
Yeah, and just just hang in there. That's what it's all about. Uh, it, it will pass. Uh, OK, listen, uh, Joe, have a good week and we'll chat to you next Tuesday. Thank you, Patricia. And get out for that walk while the, the sun... And the same to you. While the sun is shining, get out for yeah, your walk. Cause there is a, doubt. There is a bit of rain later, so you don't want any excuse. All right. Well, I'll <laughs> get ahead of that. Thanks a million, Joe. You look after yourself. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Joe Heffernan in there, who runs a counselling practice in Boherbui. His number is 86 8483481450868348145 and Joe will be back with us again uh, next uh, week somebody says hi patricia you are at greater risk of a blood clot from covid on uh, from covid are on a 4 hour plane flight people just need to chill out a bit i got my astrazeneca vaccine have to say i was shook for a day but i'm flying it now i can't wait says margaret to get my second one and then, hi Patricia, I got the AstraZeneca first vaccine. I have a platelet issue and I got a reaction to it. It was like my body shut down. I couldn't move, couldn't breathe and I'm still feeling the effects. So I'm sceptical to take the second uh, dose. Well, you're somebody who needs to absolutely highlight what has happened to you after the first uh, vaccine and the experts will tell you uh, what to do. OK, that's where I leave it there for today. Thanks to everybody who contributed to the show uh, today. Thanks to everybody who took time out to send uh, calls and Comments. John Paul produced. We're back with you tomorrow at 10 until then, Patricia. Mr. Very good afternoon. Mind, mind yourself. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.